Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, uh, Alan Kelly here, uh, former Preston North End goalkeeper and goalkeeping coach. I played between 1985 and 1992 and I was coached with the academy first from 2009 through to 2017 with the first team. Uh, born into Preston and still a Preston fan. Thank you very much for coming on. Much appreciated. Uh, I know we've we've had to cancel a couple of times, or I've had to cancel a couple of times in the past. <laughs> um, but yeah, I figured we'd we'd start right at the start. Obviously, your dad is a North End legend, made over four hundred appearances for the club. Did you ever sort of feel pressure as a young lad to become a footballer, or was it just something that you just always wanted to do? Or um, always, uh, as you'll probably find out in the, the rest of the interview, always a little bit bizarre. And, and there I am up there in my dad's arms. He didn't drop me with uh, with jo- uh, George Ross, uh, Alec Dawson and Les Dagger. I think I was about two or three days days old in that photograph. So okay. literally born into into Preston, you know, um, Dutchy Avenue. I was born at home. So literally you could have volleyed a ball from where we lived to the, to the ground. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I can see where the question comes from. But I just... Um, Obviously, different era, different time. Uh, like most kids at the time, we played sport, you know, uh, morning, noon and night. Yeah. Um, but I was fortunate. I also had my father, as you say, legendary man at, um, at Preston North End. And I would go down at the weekends with my brothers and we would we our, our playground was Preston North End. You know, the stands on the pitch. Pete McCallion was the, the groundsman and, and let us play our own games on the pitch. On match days, I would be... I'd be sat on the bench next to my my, uh, my father, who was assistant manager, next to Nobby Styles, England World Cup winner in '66. So, you know, it was one of those. Uh, well, I, I, you know, to a Preston North End fan, it's magical, and to me, it was absolutely was. But it was my dad, it was my family, and it was my life. And uh, you know, I just I just embraced it and loved it. But in terms of feeling pressure, not one bit, not one bit. Um, I played for the town team, but I was I was. I'll say that my dad didn't see me as a goalkeeper because I played defender um, through <laughs> right. my school years, and I played. In, I played it. I played for the Preston Town team um, as a central defender. Uh, I remember yeah. Dick Clegg, God bless him. Um, he, he he always reflected when I met him years later as coach and as a player that I scored one of the best goals that he'd ever seen. It was a forty-yard lob from the halfway line. Unfortunately. It was an own goal. It was into our own net, but he still remembers it very well. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, very very fond memories. And as I said, no pressure growing up. Really, no pressure yeah. at all in terms of what, what I wanted to do. You you obviously mentioned that North End was your playground. Then was it sort of was it ever going to be any other club than North End that you signed for? Or <laughs> well, again, when I left school um, at the time, you you know you went into you sort of knew what you were going to go into. So if you didn't go into your, your specified line of work, you went into industry. Yeah. And I was um, an electrical engineer at British Leyland. So I left school, St. Celia's in Longridge, um, and went uh, went straight into a four-year apprenticeship at, at Leyland Motors. Right. Um, I heard you mention Leyland before. So yeah, I used, to, I used to cycle from the ground 
uh, to Leyland um, every day and back uh, in this apprenticeship. And in the meantime, um, when I just turned 16, I, I became a goalkeeper and I played for the reserves. The context with Preston North End being, we were flat broke. You know, the ground was uh, dilapidated. There was there was no money. And, you know, I um, uh, one goalkeeper got injured one day. I went in, I had a really good game. And they said, would you play in the reserves? So at 16, I was playing in the reserves and working as a apprentice electrician at Leyland Motors at the time. So, uh, yeah, it was quite yeah to, to, to life and, and football right at the at the lowest level because we were Division 4 at the time. Yeah. So, obviously, you ended up signing in 85, I think it was. Was your dad in charge then or had he left by then? He'd just left. He'd left. I think he'd left in the February. Right. Um, but I'd say I'd left school in 84, but I, I was... I was playing for the reserves at yeah. the time as well. So there must have been some crossover. I don't remember it. Maybe that was what my dad did. He, he sort of kept that separate. Um, but I remember when I signed uh, for Preston, um, again, context, come home from work, I'm in my overalls. Um, I walk into the kitchen, my mum's mum's in there making, making a, a pot of tea. We sit down and I said to my dad, I've got something to tell you. He said, what's that? I said, um, I'm leaving my job. He went, you are not. Because he was a, he was a, he was a time served plasterer. And right, also yeah. hairdresser as well, Vin Miller, just down the road from uh, right, the barracks yeah, yeah. there. And so he he really believed in, you know, getting a getting a trade behind you. And um, unbeknown to my dad, I'd gone down to Preston. I'd already signed this contract and had it rolled up in the back pocket of my overalls of me uh, <laughs> uh, from Merlin Motors. And I walked in and I went, Dad, I'm I'm signing for Preston. He went, You're not. You're gonna, you know, you, you need a trade. You've got to see that. You've only been in goalkeeping one year. He went. He said, uh, I went, no, I said, I've made my mind up. I've been playing in the reserves and youth team for for uh, 10 months, 11 months now. This is what I want to do. And this is uh, Preston's a club I want to play for. Nope, nope, you're going to sign. I went, it's a little bit late. He went, no, no, it's not. If I've got anything to do with it, it's not. I went, yes, it is. There's me sit. Anyway, we, we end up dancing around the table. It was almost like, um, I don't know, like Scrappy-Doo, you know, like a scene out of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, anyway. Once it was done, it was done. He went, oh, well, you can't turn the clock back. He said, how long have you signed for? I said, they offered me eight months. He just went. <laughs> so imagine bottom of the league, fourth division, and I've just signed an eight-month contract. But, you know, fair play to him. It was, uh, you know, and the beauty of my father, what he did, he let us, he let me in particular, he let us find our way. He, he let us make decisions. He let us, he tried to guide us. My mum did, you know, an amazing job and she was the, the power and the the oversight oversight and everything, but you know it allowed us to make decisions and learn for ourselves. And I think that's yeah. part of the reason why you have the, I had the career I did. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like step out into the world on your own and learn from your mistakes if you make any along the way, and and that pretty sort much, of thing. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, we we've obviously touched on your dad quite a few times already. Um, was that ever something sort of his his legacy at the club that ever weighed? sort of heavy on your mind at any point in your time at North End as a player or even as a coach? <laughs> well, a funny story as a coach, um, it was uh, Sam and Grace had taken over and we were doing a training session at, at Deepdale uh, and I'd only been there, I'd only moved up from the academy maybe about two weeks previously. So we were there anyway, so we were on the pitch and I was doing my goalkeeping session and all the players were running around and I happened to... I hit, I hit a half volley and it skewed off and went over the over the top of the bar and hit my dad on the shoulder, <laughs> you know, with a big big, big uh, stand yeah, yeah. behind it. And all the players went, Way! and I turned around sharp. I thought it was sharp anyway. I went, it's all right for you lot. 
you haven't got your old man looking over your shoulder. You know what I mean? This big square picture. Um, but as a player, no, I never did. And I think again, that um, as you said, allowing you to step out and make your own mistakes, allow you to step out and find solutions to problems and um, and develop your own style. Bearing in mind, we didn't have goalkeeping coaches back then, so you had you were learning as you went along anyway. Yeah. Um, so he never ever applied any pressure. You know, he, he um, and, and I, 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 I see that as a gift now. I really do. You know, it's, it would have been easier just to shrivel. I mean, you know, because I, I remember the first couple of games, I got a bit of stick because I was Kelly's lad and, yeah. you know, you'll never be as good as your dad and all this lot. And it just went over my head. It really did. Some, some might say a few shots did as well, but there you go. That's the <laughs> that's the mistake you make. But, um, that's never, the nature of the beast though, isn't it? It is. But I never, ever felt that pressure. I really didn't in the seven years I was there. And, and again, I see that as a gift. I really do. Yeah. Um, how, how were you feeling sort of in the build up to you making your debut for the club like did you was it was it dropped on you was it one of them where you were sort of given a week or a few days to sort of come to terms with it or how did it all come about well again I'd been playing in the reserves and 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 then they didn't have uh, num- number two goalkeepers as such in terms of like being on a bench or anything and uh, John Platt I think hurt his back in a training session and I thought I'm going to get my chance here um, in a game and they were playing away. It might have been Colchester or somewhere. It was down south somewhere, I seem to remember. Um, and I think it was Brian Kidd at the time. So so Brian was the manager and he brought in Phil Harrington on loan. Uh, and unfortunately for Phil, in his first game, he broke and dislocated his ankle. Right. So there was only me left. <laughs> so there was... So, so it's the 8th of March. I think I'll get that right. You should know your day. But 8th of March, 86 against Crew. And um, I literally had a week's training and into the game. So, but again, I, I think what you said before about this pressure and not having it, not having this pressure uh, pressure applied to you, I didn't really feel it going into the game. I just, you know, obviously we were brought up, work hard, prepare right, and 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 if you do that in training, if you prepare right and do do the right things, then you, you'll give yourself the best chance of performing on Saturday. You said sometimes yeah. things don't go your way, and mistakes happen. That's life. But with that mentality going in, I, you know, I felt quite calm going into the game. But it was, you know, it was a, it was a, an unbelievable experience. As I said, I've been to school at St Gregory's, um, which is literally, you know, three hundred meters away from from the ground. Been a ball boy, been there virtually every weekend since I since I can remember. And then to walking out there and um, to make your debut was uh, was very very special. Yeah, on an, on another on another level, I would imagine. Um, I've yeah. had. Uh, who have I had lads Danny Mayer I've had Will Hayhurst both yeah. obviously massive or were at least anyway when they were younger massive North End fans and, and they say the same thing you know like to to sort of grow up supporting a club and, and living not far away I think Danny's from Leyland Will's from Longridge yeah. Uh, yeah. and then obviously stepping out on, on the pitch at Deepdale and, and making your debut it's just a special feeling and obviously you're I think I think the third that I've had on that's a, a fan and obviously had the the privilege and the pleasure to go on and play for the club as well. It's um, something that not many of us get the opportunity to do. So yeah, I can imagine it being a very memorable experience. It was, it, it, you know, and it, it's. But again, also the context, you know, we with uh, how many games have we lost up to them? Probably nineteen games. It, it was, you know, we were down the, the the bottom reaches of the fourth division. You know, was that, that um, re-election season, or was it around? That was re-election season. Yeah. yeah. So you imagine, 
you can imagine the the atmosphere of that, uh, you know, the, of the of the club and the ground and the fans. It was very dour and it was very, you know, um, it was a, it was a place of doom and what have you. But you know, I'm a fresh faced seventeen uh, year old kid, you know, who's um, I knew every inch of that ground that I was walking out into, you know, yeah. I'd explored everywhere on a Sunday, been into the, the reaches I knew where I knew where the money fell out there, all the away supporters' pockets went on the town and when it <laughs> fell through the uh, the rafters and what have you. You know what I mean? I'd been I'd been pelted with coins as a ball boy, you know, Roy Tunks in goal. I'd been lifted up by the by the, the lapels by Barry Siddle when he when he was playing, I think for might be for Sunderland because I didn't throw the ball back quick enough. So <laughs> The familiarity for me, it was like it was like literally playing football at home. Yeah, you know, and again, that is that's you know, sometimes you're trying to find the words to describe that. But you know, imagine like you're out in your back garden having a game of football. It's fun. It's it's fantastic, and it's that familiarity and that I don't know uh, ingrained into it's probably a good word. Yeah, um, that allowed me to life, isn't it? Part of my life, yeah. I was just, it was carrying on as if what I'd done for the past, what, 14 years, you know, and I was only yeah, 17. Yeah. Obviously, you mentioned Brian Kidd a minute ago. I think as well, you had Tommy Booth and Jonathan Clark as managers from 85 to 86. Three managers yeah. in 12 months. That's a fair amount of managers in a short space of time. As well, a young I- pro trying to find your way in the game, is that not a bit of a pain in the ass? Because you, you're like, I mean, how was it for you? Well, again, you look at it, and my first manager that signed me was Tommy Booth. Yeah, um, and then I made my debut, and two weeks later, it's um, Brian Kidd because Tommy Booth's left. Yeah, and I think three weeks after that, it's a caretaker manager and player, uh, Jonathan Clark. So, him, so three weeks or four weeks after my debut, I was on my third manager already. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> not, but, not ideal, is it? Not ideal, but you know, in terms of like rude awakenings or welcome to league football, that was a it was a classic. But to refer to Jonathan Clark, he was uh, he had a he transformed it because we were heading for re-election, but suddenly, so I played the last thirteen games of that season, sort of the um, 85, 86 season, and we went on a streak and we won five on the bounce. We won yeah. five games on the bounce, and I think the first four of them we won three two. So. You know, from being absolutely cast adrift at the bottom, we had this um, resurrection of results, and then give, suddenly give yourself the crowd, like a, a glimmer of hope, and it gave the fans because the, the before Johnson took over, I think we had about say two and a half thousand, and then going into our sixth game where we, we, we were trying to win and six on the bounce, I think four and a half thousand turned up. Yeah, so you know, but for a young lad, for for a seventeen year old to to to, to uh, one, make your debut. Two, in the circumstances we've described with the family. But three, then to win five games on the belt and thinking, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> Easy, this. Easy, this, isn't it? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm right in saying that you didn't win the sixth game, did you? No, we lost 3 0. And then I think the crowd went back to two and a half thousand next game. So. <laughs> <laughs> With no floodlights either. I think people at the time remember they being condemned. And about four or five games to the end of the season, they, they installed new floodlights. But the first game was at home. It might have been Scunthorpe or Cambridge, I'm not quite sure. But they'd angled the lights too too close to the um, the corner flags. Right. So in the, the, the centre circle, you couldn't see. It was just dark. <laughs> the, light, the lights were in like that. And you couldn't. So it was lashing down. And the pitch was like that with mud. And I thought, oh, wow. 
wow, this is unbelievable. So yeah, in a very short period of time, I had a hell of a hell of a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah, that'll um, that'll either make you or break you, I guess, won't it? Yeah. Um, John McGrath came in, in, or John McGrath, I don't know which, which is it John McGrath? I, I call him John McGrath, but McGrath, John McGrath, it doesn't matter. I've heard, I've heard both, but anyway, yeah. yeah, he he came in in 86. How how was he? I think you've spoken to um, Andy Bays at Radio Lanks in quite a bit of detail about John's time yeah. at the club. But He was, oh, I mean, what a man. I mean, again, I just turned 18 or in the in the pre-season that, um, that he came in, but he, he you know, we were we were ninety first out of ninety two league clubs the previous season, and he came in and he walked in and he used to walk in with I'll get a little bit of paper. Here. He'd walk in and he'd and he'd have always have a little round of paper and he'd walk in like John Wayne like this, and you never quite knew who was going to get it. Yeah. But this was the, the who was going to point at, and um, he, he came out his his oration is is the way he delivered speeches, the way that he talked, and the, some of the. He got every word wrong. I think of Les Chapman, as you've heard talk about it. He got all yeah, these, yeah. You know, like, you know, say, say you, you know, you, you blew it. He'd go, you blewed it. You blewed it. You know, but, and all the players, they know that after a while. So you start, you start laughing. But what he did to that team, change the style. The other thing to, he, his first season was the first season of the plastic pitch as well. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we played five at the back, Super Bob in the middle, uh, Alex Jones, Sam Allardyce. So, you know, straight away, you've got experience there. Um, you had Osher Williams, Les Chapman, you know, in, anchoring the midfield with Gary Swan. Uh, you had Banzini, Gary Brazil, John Thomas, Ronnie Hildersley, all these players came in. And Frank Worthington, God bless him, who we lost yeah, yeah. Uh, last week. So, again, you know, again, I'm 18. And I've suddenly gone, I've had that experience of re-election. I've had that experience of winning five games where you're not supposed to win five games. This... Mercurial man walks in and starts giving these speeches, and it's like you just sat there and thinking, "I'm just going to take this in. I'm going to take this in." You've got Big Sam screaming at you to come and catch a ball 17 yards out. Um, you know, you've got Frank Worthington pulling a ball out the sky and smash it in the top corner as if it's like yesterday. Yeah, um, it's just just amazing. And I've got that. I've got a picture. I'm going to show you the picture here. I don't, you've seen it before. People yeah, would have seen yeah, it. Seen that, that was that squad. That is that squad. As, a, as an 18-year-old kid, to experience, you know, the downside of football really at 17, and then at 18, you've got this, this you know, club that's waiting to take off. Yeah. John McGrath comes in, the catalyst, and we played five at the back. We played out. We played as people are playing now. Les Chapman said it many, many times when he was at City as kit man there. He said, I've seen this before. It was John McGrath. And that's not being flippant. Yeah. yeah. We played out. You know, I gave the ball to Bob Atkins. As a sweeper, he stepped in between the lines and sprayed a ball out to Ronnie Hildersley or Gary Brazil, who, who brought it down, came inside and slipped John Thomas to go through 1v1 one, one, uh, one one with a keeper and score. Yeah. Where have you seen that? You see it every, every week now. And yeah, yeah. just just absolutely amazing part. And uh, to be, for me as a, a young young goalkeeper fan, to be part of that was brilliant. Did he, John, John McGrath, did he sort of... As much as he was that sort of mercurial person that you mentioned, did he sort of live and breathe football as well? And because I think a, a lot looking back, you've got a lot of people nowadays, anyway. I think look back at old school managers, if you will, and and the they try and paint this picture that they're more just m- like motivators 
and try and put a rocket up you and sort of very basic like like very basic tactical side of the game and all yes, that sort of stuff but, mean, yeah. but yeah. was John why was he to, to coin a phrase was he a student of the game absolute student of the game if you if you if you slotted John McGrath in now to the modern day coach and put him there he he was doing we used to do phase of play we used to do functional we all the all the terms that you see now playing between the lines um you know building up from the goalkeeper um me because I was I was of that age but I had a real long kick if I, if I saw that there was spacing behind for Gary uh, Gary Brazil I could then put it over the top yeah. who do you see I'm not comparing myself but, but Edison does it for Man City but yeah. his preparation his training um everything that he did I mean, he took us to a hotel before games. You know, we had pre-match. I never had a pre-match, you know, at a hotel before in my life. So his preparation is, is and I'm obviously still working in football now, his preparation that I saw from John um, and, his, and his staff was anything but what you described there. It was professional. It was, um, it was, it was, it was a plan was worked on. Solutions were, were, uh, were given, you know, outcomes were delivered. And at the end of all that coming together, you had a team that got promotion and played some of the best football that's been that we've seen at Deepdale for a long, long time. So, you know, it was a modern day coach as we talk about now. Yeah. But thirty odd years ago. Yeah, yeah. How was that promotion season? Oh, wow. It's it's a wonderful feeling knowing you're going out to a, out to play a game, and you and you you know you're going to win. Yeah. I, I, I find it really hard sometimes to articulate how that means. You're going out and you're looking at the, you know, I'm looking at my defence, the defence are looking at me, they're looking onto midfield. We know that Gary Brazil or Ronnie or John's going to score a goal. We know that Gary Swan's going to make a third man run to, to open up a defence that's going to make give us a chance. Frank's going to pull, as I said before, some mercurial shot out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Sam's going to put his head where, where other people wouldn't put, you know, um, an armoured car. You know, you had all these facets that came together and all these characters that came together and abilities that came together. And then you, you, you had John McGrath, you had Les, you had the senior players, you had, you had the younger players. This, all the ingredients got thrown in and wow, what Perfect a cake. Storm. <laughs> yeah, what a cake. Yeah, what a cake. <laughs> <laughs> and promotion obviously was just the cherry on top of that then. Well, you know, away at Orient, just... We had an old bus, 1953 bus. It was and there was there was uh, there was no toilets on it. There was nothing. And and, and back in the day, you, the the only nod to the old school is that when you went down on a Friday, the youngest me had to go to uh, Costco that or whatever it was back then yeah, and yeah. get four four slabs, two slabs of uh, lager, two slabs of um, of bitter, and I'd have to wheel them back from Deepdale Road to the ground, load them on the coach. And bam, that was it, right? So down in our 1953 Sharabang, button down like this, no toilet. Well, we win promotion, champagne after. I'll never forget, I've come out of, uh, of the ground at Orient. I've got on the bus and I've looked at the back, state, the back seat and I've seen the elder statesmen of uh, Frank Stapleton, Allardyce, um, Les Chapman, Osher Williams, um, and they're all sat on the back seat, really happy with themselves, you know, like Les... Late on in the careers, got a promotion, played fantastic football. And I've walked up and I'm his 18-year-old. I'm so excited. I'm like Tigger on speed. And I've got two bottles of champagne. And I could Sam looked at me and went, Don't, don't you dare, don't you dare. I went, what, what, what? 
and I'm walking along and they, they had, uh, we had four tables on it and I just went bang and I bounced both champagne bottles off the table and then they shot out and I just went way <laughs> and I everyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and then I ran, I ran. They yeah. found me about 20 minutes later to get me back on the bus, but um, yeah, brilliant times. Brilliant, brilliant times. Oh, yeah, it's, I mean, I think, you left in 92, was it? I think it was. 92, yeah. 92, was, yeah. How, what, what month? I left. I actually did a pre-season. Um, Les Chapman had taken over. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Les had taken over, hadn't he? So Les was manager. And um, I did a pre-season. And then I got, we got a late call um, to go to Sheffield United. Um, I've been on the plastic pitch for six years. And... Um, Everything was falling to bits, basically. Can imagine. You know, How did you find it playing on that? Well, as a young pup, it was fantastic because the bounce was always true. If there's yeah. a little bit of water on the plastic pitch, the ball would run through. Equally, if someone shot and it went along the floor and it was wet, then you you know you you, you could struggle to get it. Um, but one of the problems we had is that we trained on it every day. So even when we played away we trained on a plastic pitch and we couldn't get used to the grass. We had an awful away record. That's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. But um, it was, uh, yeah, it, it, towards the last couple of years, I'd had some, I'd had some, you know, I'd have broke my leg a couple of times and that's another another story. Um, well, but didn't, I'd didn't, also, you get, didn't you get run over? As if I imagine, look at that, look at that. <laughs> Picture that is, on that that is not Herman Monster. That is me. The day after getting uh, hit by a motorcycle on Friargate, I think it was. Um, so it was, uh, yeah. So I was a lucky, I was a lucky boy. Lucky boy. I had forty or fifty stitches across my head. I was out cold for three or four hours, uh, unconscious, and you know, just. And I'd say I was lucky to be alive from it. You know what I mean? Or, or at the very, the very worst, like permanently injured. You know, but yeah. um, well, and I the mean, funny thing, it's it's. It's it's a not a miracle, but it's surprising that you've managed to get have such a good career from it. So that cast there, yeah, you can see there. So the uh, I won't mind mentioning, but Johnny Sumner, who works at, at PE, does all the massages and stuff like that. He's been there twenty one years, Johnny. Yeah, that he's was just his retired, first... hasn't he? I think he's just retired. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was his first day. His first day working in in the. Um, you know, uh, what, what do they call it? When you put your cast, cast on, whatever. So I've gone yeah. down and they've gone, go on, go on then, John, this is your first one. So we put my first cast on. Well, and yeah. just, it's just a big one, isn't it? Yeah, it, it weighed a ton. But that bit there, he must have got a bit nervous. He must have left a couple of ripples. So the leg was keep swelling anyway. After about three days, I was in agony. So then you had to take it off and you had to do it again. I've never let him forgot about it. So... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, it, it, the fa- fabulous ball. But we always have a laugh about that because he put that first cast on. <laughs> what 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 did you do then, T Leg? Because looking at that cast, uh, it's, it's pretty hefty. And like yeah, I said before, it was, it's it's a wonder that you've managed to sort of play on and and have the playing career that you did. The problem the, the problem with it, obviously, again, go back to when that was in 1988. Now they would have pinned it. Yeah. Um, but, but the but the break was sort of like this. If that's my leg was this long. So it yeah. snapped me in half. Um, and, but what happened is, if that's your leg, what happened is that because it was it was in line, but it slipped. So the brake right. slipped. Imagine from the side, it slipped down. So I lost half an inch in my leg. What's so all Preston, all Preston fans are going, yeah, I wonder why he kept letting him in that top left-hand corner. You know, he's <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah. So, uh, but then the knock-on effect from that is just, it, it, it throws your body out. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and everything to go with that. So, the fun- did you find that you had to sort of readjust anything then when you were getting back uh, to well, playing? I didn't, I didn't get time because he nearly did that in the April '88, and then um, March '89, my first game back was a memorial game for Mick, Bast- uh, Mick Baxter. I don't know if Mick uh, was a um, fabulous, fabulous player for Preston. A uh, wonderful coach and a wonderful man. And sadly, he passed away early uh, due to cancer. So they had a memorial game, but it was my first game back. Right. And they brought... Um, so Bobby Charlton was there, Bruce Grobber was there, Kane Daglish was there. They got all, all the big names came to play in it, which was fantastic. But Alex Bruce, ex-Preston North End legend, or I shouldn't say ex-Preston yeah. North End legend, he came back out of retirement at about 48 and decided he wanted to play up front. So... Of course, the ball comes into into the box. I come to dive out to it. Alex thinks he can get him get uh, get in front to nick it because he's forgot he's forty eight and he thinks he's eighteen in his head. Slams into the same leg, bang, broke it again. Jesus. So yeah, for that part of my Preston North End history, people say to me like, "Well, how many games games you play?" And I said, "Well, one hundred and forty two league games, one hundred and sixty four league and cup games." And uh, oh, I thought you played more than that. I said I would have done, but I lost eighteen months. So. I was out. I had the same cast on. They put the same type of cast on for another six months. And I know it's a long story, but John McGrath, when it, when um, when I was at the end of my 18 months, so I've been out 18 months with two broken legs, been written off. I went to the fracture clinic and I got I got, I got told I could come back to uh, to play. I walked in and we were playing, of all teams, Orient away on that Saturday, that was September in 19, 1990. And uh, he said to me, you're playing. I hadn't played a game in 18 months. Yeah. And he went, you're playing. I went, I went, Gaffer, it's Wednesday. He went, it's all right. He said, you're going to train Monday morning. Uh, sorry, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, we'll travel. Ah, you'll be fine. You'll be grand. So I played against Orion three days after being out for 18 months. <laughs> Jesus. You'd never do that in, in this day and age, would you? No, no, no my God, not a cat in chance. Not a cat in chance. Um, I had Mick Rathbone on the pod in the summer. I have not released his episode yet, but it's safe to say that he's an absolute character. How how did you find oh, him? And obviously you work with him at the minute as well, don't you? Yeah, just... Um, well, we hadn't seen each other for, for years, and then as soon as we saw each other, we just clicked back into to, to everything. And like you say, Mick, one of, the, one of the best people in football you're ever likely to meet. Um, yeah, you know, a, play, a player who had... You know, if he was a battery, he would be he would be the biggest Duracell battery you've ever seen in your life. He just kept <laughs> running, and, and even now, he, he can't walk anywhere. He has to run. Yeah. Um, it's incredible to see this bundle of energy. Um, and we've often talked about he had his dog. I think his dog was Max, and it was a German Shepherd, and that 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 came training with us. So if we were running around the pitch, Max was doing laps as well. He just, you know, Mick had uh, Mick had every story going. Um, he could rip you in shreds with a one-liner and still can to this day. But yeah. one of the most genuine, nicest people, never mind football, but in life you'd like to meet, you know, and it's, uh, I was privileged that we played together and also that I worked with him as well, as you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll come on to your, your sort of, your coaching career and what you're up to these days later on. But just on that of sort of players that you played with, obviously we touched on Big Sam as well. How was he to sort of, to have in that? Team. It was it was a leader, as you see now. I mean, so imagine what you see now is what you got as a player. You know, yeah. a born a born leader, a leader of men. Um, 
you know, but also one that, um, you know, knew how that, that, that all the facets that needed to be. So, you know, we'd, we'd go out together, we'd, we'd work together, play together, we'd, you know, we'd stay together as a group. He engendered that. Uh, they all did, to be fair. You know, you're talking about Les Chapman, you're talking about Osher Williams, Frank, you know, they had that, that we had that togetherness and, you know, they, they quite rightly saw that as, you know, a bedrock of any successful team. And yeah. um, and Sam was, you know, you think about Sam, maybe saw him as this six foot four giant of a man with a handlebar moustache and a <laughs> wonderful array of blazers that he seemed to have in the, in the 80s. But he could play as well. He played in yeah. a back five in a promotion season, you know, on a plastic pitch. So I imagine like a ball comes over the top of yeah, but you know, the ball comes over the top on a plastic pitch. It skips through. It lands on grass. It takes the it takes the speed out of the ball. So, got to have been a good player and was a good player. Uh, and for me, imagine having that rock in front of you. You know, going to give you a bit um, of confidence, isn't it? Great bit of confidence and experience as well. So, yeah. wonderful, uh, great, great memories of Sam as a player. And and obviously, um, I worked with him for a time at Everton as well. And again, no different. No, no surprise to see him have the managerial career that he's had. Then, absolutely none whatsoever. You know, um, to see, you know, and particularly some of the innovation that he's done as well. You know, you look around sports science and you look around, you know, um, you know, bringing players in from abroad before it was, you know, uh, before it was really, really trendy. You know, he was at the forefront of that as well. So, you know, always looking to get the marginal gains, always looking to to see where he could improve and get the most out of his team. And, you know, I dare say he learned something off John McGrath as well, you know, in terms of, um, as I said before, that experience and and um, you know working with players in the right right way at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Um, John McGrath left the club in 1990, I think it was, and Les yeah. Chapman then obviously stepped up as manager. How was that for you? Sort of. Obviously, you had a settled period with uh, John at the club, but then I think obviously you mentioned Les was a player. I think was he John's assistant as well? It was. Yeah, he was a he was a, a player coach, player assistant manager. Um, everybody loved loved and still loves Les. I spoke to him last week. Um, you know, a wonderful, funny, humorous, intelligent, likable, you know, talk to anybody. Just, you know, he was a natural, natural successor. He'll tell you himself he found it hard to go from player, coach, then to being manager. Yeah. You know, in terms of like the hard, maybe some of the hard decisions you had to make. <laughs> when, when, um, my contract up and I was I was uh, going off to Sheffield. In front, we, we, he sat us all down on the centre circle at Preston, and he just started in John McGrath speak, and I'll, I'll try and do it. He goes, "He's leaving, he's leaving us, he's going," <laughs> and he's pointed at me, and uh, I think what's he went? He went, "What? I'll get him back. I'll get him back. You mark my words." Anyway, fast forward to two thousand and one. I'm on loan at Birmingham. We're playing Manchester City at Main Road. We're 3-0 down at half-time. Trevor Francis is the Birmingham manager. We're walking off, heads down, 3-0 down at half-time. When you walked up the tunnel at Main Road, it had like bars, like almost like jail cell bars yeah, yeah. across it. And as I got there, bang, this, this, I got hit by this Exocet missile and it was Les, shoulder barged me into the bars. I smashed my head off the bars. I landed on the floor. Trevor Francis, what's going on? What's going on? He went, I'm getting him back. He left me in 1990. He must have thought, what is going on here? So uh, by the time I got... Re- a decade he- later, <laughs> and, he's, and he's got you back. And he's got me back. You know, and he went, I told you. And he's like, I told you, I told you. And I'm like, 
I'm, but we're three nil down, and I've got to go in and, and have this, you know, listen to the conversation that a manager's not going to be happy at any no. club being three nil down at half time. <laughs> and I walk in five minutes late because I'm trying to get my act together after being brained into some metal doors by my ex manager. I mean, you couldn't write it, could you? <laughs> how, how did you um, how did you move to Sheffield United come about then? Um, I just got a call. I got a call from Dave Bassett. Um, just saying um, we'd like you to join Sheffield United. And obviously that was the first year of the Premier League. Um, we were in Division 3 at the time, or Division, I don't know, I did move then, I can't, I, I get mixed up between me three, fours and ones, uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I'm not I think too it was sure. Three, that, wasn't it? Yeah. I was only born in 1992, so. <laughs> oh, all right, well, make me feel old. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so two, two, two divisions below, right? So I, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a massive jump, Um and he said, I want you to become, you know, to come and be part of this project. Um, I know you've had a few injuries down the years and obviously the legs that I showed you before and what have you. Um, the plastic pitch I said to you was really, you know, it wasn't suited to me after, um, after what I'd gone through. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I have to say that I had seven years at Sheffield United um, and they were, they were fabulous, fabulous years in the Premier League and championship and cup runs and semi-finals and what have you. So it was... Um, just one of those things that happened back then. There was no, you know, there was no sort of like big events where you did signings or whatever. It was literally a phone call. We'd like to sign you. Right, you know, what do you want? Um, what, you, what, what do you want to pay me, Mr Bassett? Oh, I'll give you X, Y, Z. And then you're in your car, you go over, you sign, boom. And that was it. You know, it was uh, So there was no, like no sort of like clubs doing the deals then? It was just people well, they would have, they would have, he must have got He must have got permission. So I think the fee was 150000 yeah. And then another... Another fifty, another fifty. If I got a cap for Ireland, mm-hmm. and then I think if they sold me, they got fifty percent of the sell-on fee. So it was, you know, because again, if you think about it, two years previous, I'd missed eighteen months with, um, you know, with two broken legs and one of them being a being a road traffic accident. So yeah, not, yeah. not a great advertisement as such. But um, yeah, and and that's how it was literally done. So he would have got permission, rang me direct, not through an agent or anything like, rang me direct. And uh, an offer popped to Sheffield. Right, fair enough. Um, yeah, obviously you mentioned that you had seven years there. How was it? Fantastic. I mean, that first season in the Premier League, you can, you know, it's all about. It was like a uh, razzmatazz, wasn't it? It was, it was, you know, um, simple minds alive and kicking was the theme tune. You weren't born, or you had just been born, so you yeah, didn't yeah. know that. Um, but um, it was just this, as they see it. It was a new dawn, wasn't it, for football as they, as they saw it in the in the in the elite level? Um, but for me, you know, I was suddenly playing against like people like Shearer and uh, Klinsman and Cantona, Giggs, uh, all those names you can think of. You know, yeah. it was incredible. Yeah, the names and, that are uh, synonymous with the sort of the the Premiership yeah. era, I guess. I think so. Yeah, you know, and you look at um, you know the the Man United legacy from that era, and you know. Beckham, I remember playing at Old Trafford in that season and I think it was one of Beckham's early games and on 44 minutes he whipped a corner in um, and I went I went, I went, went to catch it, I did catch it but the the, the pace and velocity of how he, how he hit it just took me back. Yeah. I went, Phew, tell you what, this kid's got something, you know what I mean? And obviously <laughs> he went on but just, just at that pace and, you know, Mark Hughes was playing and... and you know, Cantona could could um, in that same game we, we we made the mistake at Sheffield. We scored a bit too early, 
So we went 1-0 up and we angered the fans, you know, and then they all came in the second half and this crescendo of sound. Canton all gets two goals, changes the game and, and contributes to them, you know, winning the the, uh, the Premier League that season. But again, so, you know, going from, going from um, in a short period of time, going from Preston and then going into this, you know, it was something that you had to, I suppose it's always happened, I said to you before, you've got to get your head around it quickly. Yeah. You know, going from an electrician to a footballer, going from a reserve team player to a, you know, a first team, uh, a reserve player, sorry, to a first team player. It all seemed to happen quite quickly for me. So, uh, but I go back to what you said before about my dad, about not applying pressure on yourself, not, about not you know, just doing your job, uh, preparing right, training right, keeping those same things in the same mould gives you a chance at, at success. Yeah, exactly. Um, so from your time in the in the Premiership, as it was then, obviously changed, rebranded to the Premier League now, but what's your sort of like standout memory from from your time playing in, in the top division? Like, have you got any any sort of saves that you've pulled well, off that you think like, yeah, yeah if that was on well, TV these days? We've got, I got from the from that first season. We did we did two things. We stayed in the Premier League, um, which we, we weren't expected to. Um, we defeated Tottenham Hotspur, uh, Hotspur, Teddy Sheringham and all at Bramall Lane six nil. We we hammered them six nil, um, but we were one nil up and and um, there's a ball delivered to the far post and it's like about, about five six yards out right in the corner. Sheringham came in, absolutely caught it flush. And I just, I just managed just to flash a hand out. It hit, hit, hit these two fingers, yeah. clipped the crossbar, went over. You know, um, and anybody says you don't need a little bit of luck. You know, I'm, um, it, it is, it is wrong. But it was one of those saves that even I thought, hang on a minute, that wasn't bad. But for it to be in front of the, my first season to be in front of the, um, of the cop at Sheffield, you know, thirty thousand people there. Um, that, that, that was a standout moment. And also, obviously, having been been involved in Preston Blackpool derbies, the Sheffield derby as well. In that season, um, my second game was a Sheffield derby, and it came out, and there was flares, there was red flares going everywhere. There was balloons; it was incredible. And then, also that season, we met them at Wembley in the semi-final, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United semi, all uh, Sheffield semi-final. So, in in that first season, there was a lot happened, <laughs> and yeah. maybe David Ryland. So there you go, just throw that in. <laughs> well, winner, winner. How was yeah. your time playing for Ireland? Yeah, that, it was it was wonderful. I mean, anybody who's watching, I guess, a chance to watch finding Jack Charlton. Um, you know, I was fortunate that he selected me in 1993, gave me my cap. Believe it or not, at the stadium where my dad made his debut for um, his League of Ireland club, uh, Drumcondra. So I was playing in this. Not only was I, I'd, been, I'd done that with Preston, I did it with Ireland as well. I played, you know, I remember debut in the stadium where he played 60 times before That's coming right. to Preston. So, uh, again, a lot of emotions, a lot of uh, similarities there. Yeah. And then um, I got selected for the 94 World Cup to be part of that squad under Jack. Um, and then I played in his last game in 95 in the uh, the playoff for the European Championship. So, and absolutely, what if you watch that, it, it, it's sad, it's poignant, but it, it represents what a brilliant man, what a brilliant manager, what a fantastic person he was, you know. And I, 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 again, I said, I've said recently, you know, I was blessed to be able to be say I was part of that and to have um, had his trust as a player and and to know him as a man. Yeah, yeah. How did you move from Sheffield United come around to obviously going to join Rovers? Um, it would be I'm trying to think now. Yeah, was it um, 
1999, again, um, going into a pre-season, been pre-season training for a week at Sheffield and uh, I just got a call saying that um, they'd agreed a fee. Apparently they'd agreed a fee with Aberdeen and Blackburn. Uh, but somebody in Aberdeen said they didn't think my dogs would be able to uh, deal with the cold. I don't know where that came from. It shows you what people make up even back then. Um, but obviously for me, it was coming back to the Northwest. Yeah. Um, you know, the training ground, Brockhall was... 10 miles away from, from you know, where I went to school in, in Longridge. So yeah. I knew the area. My wife was from the area as well. So it just made sense. And um, Sheffield United said they, they, they weren't going to extend my contract. So, um, you know, they agreed a fee. And the happiest person of that um, uh, deal would have been Derek Shaw, who was at uh, Preston at the time, because I think they got 50% as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Never, never, I don't think Derek ever thought you'd expect to see that 50%, but he got whatever that was, 350 grand when you least expected it. So, Well, yeah, exactly. You know, they got it in the end, didn't they? From a, from a formal electrician to generating 500 grand for the club, I think you he, he, he can't, he can't have too many complaints, can you? You can't knock it, can you? It's <laughs> been a nice um, check you received. Oh, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, you retired, I think it was in 2004 from playing. Um, yeah. Obviously, well over 450, I think, over 470 appearances, I think it was. Yeah, uh, but just over 470 and then 34 internationals for Ireland. So about well, 500 plus. Um, professional. Professional and international games, yeah. Which, uh, you know, when you when you look at that, as you said, when you look at that, you think, wow. Where it could, <laughs> I, where I, it could I, have I gone. Do. I, I, I do, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. absolutely. How, how do you look back on your career? Well, your playing career. Um, with 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 fondness. I mean, to have the the opportunity to play at your hometown club, um, to to you know to be there for seven years and uh, to represent Preston. Obviously, as I said, you're growing up with the players, being been ball boy and fan and everything that goes with that. And my dad, um, you know, that in itself would have been enough. But then to have the seven years at Sheffield, which also resulted in playing for Ireland. Again, following my, my father's footsteps, you know, and coming back to Blackburn and, um, you know, getting back into the Premier League with, with Blackburn and experiencing that again at a, at, a, at a later stage in my career. You know, I just, you know, I look back, I look back with great fondness and, and you know, again, I, I say I keep holding that up, but I look back at that and I think everything else was a blessing after that. It really was, you know what I mean? And uh, took a lot, don't give me, it took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of sacrifice, um, you know, you pay for injuries like that later on down the line. And, you know, I've got a metal knee now as a result of it. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, but, you know, to, to, to be able to say you played for 19 years or 18, 19 years in the, in the pro game and, and play so many games after that, what happened early, you know, relatively early stage, I'd, um, I would have taken that any day. Yeah, absolutely. Am I right in saying that you moved out to the US after you retired to do some goalkeeper coaching? No, again, it's uh, it's interesting that, isn't it? What's on uh, what what what's on the internet? I think on Wikipedia. No, that's my dad. My dad had ah, uh, my dad. Right. Uh, yeah. So someone's just I don't know what it is, but all there's a lot of stories go out there that have um, the the truth is any is is nowhere to be seen in them. And <laughs> no, when I um when I finished, I actually um I ended up back at Blackburn uh, coaching the academy goalkeepers. Um, I think probably that maybe. I'm trying to think, 2005. In fact, my first job as a coach, believe it or not, just come to mind, 
was um, was a senior international goalkeeper coach for Ireland under Stephen Staunton. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. So you, I finished playing in 2004 and, and then that was my first job that came along. So, you know, to go from finishing two years later, going straight into international football, um, it was, it was, was incredible. Um, and in, in the meantime, I started at Blackburn in the, they were doing the academy goalkeepers. And then I, I went to Preston and did the, exactly the same job there as well. But you know, that that's, I, I owe Steve Stoughton in terms of coaching everything for, for giving him, giving me that opportunity. Was coaching something that you'd sort of earmarked, if you will, before you'd retired that you thought this is something I wouldn't mind getting into? Or was it just one of them things? Like you said, obviously, Steve Staunton gave you the, the opportunity with Ireland. Did that just sort of come about out of the blue? Or I think what it was is that as a goalkeeper, I think you're, you're sort of like a natural coach anyway. Yeah. You know, you're coaching players into positions, whether that's defenders, you, you're organising at set players where you want people. Again, you know, my first, I'm going to say, first seven, eight, nine years at uh, professional football was no goalkeeping coach. So you, as an individual player, you had to take it on yourself to, to do it. So I think that, in a way, you know, is coaching. Yeah. Um, when I was involved, um, also at Sheffield United, I, I would do, I would, you know, I'd be doing coaching with the kids and look, you know, I always had that interest in terms of passing that knowledge on or or, or trying to help people in the, you know, in what el- whatever level of football they were playing. Um, but I must admit, when it came, when the call came out of the boot, I'll tell you what I was, and it's a, not a great image for it. I was in the bath and uh, the, the phone <laughs> went and it was Steve Staunton and he said, uh, we've got the job. And I went, oh, brilliant, Stan. Delighted for you. You know, you deserve it. You've, you know, 100 caps. And uh, I said, really delighted for you. He went, no, 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 we've got the job. I went, I know, I'm delighted for you. He went, no, you're so-and-so. He went, we've got the job. I went, oh, what, do you want me to come with you? And you like, you can feel up on the end of the phone going, yeah, drops. you know. <laughs> penny drop. I went, oh, oh, wow, brilliant, yeah. Where, where and when do you want me? So, yeah. You know, it was, um, you know, again, I, I, I and, and going from that day, 2006, to where we are now is, uh, you know, some journey as well. Light years away from what it was, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, obviously, you mentioned that you went from sort of Ireland, you were at Rovers with the academy, was it after Phil Brown left that you joined North End? Uh, no, I was there with Phil Brown was there. I'm trying to think who was in before Phil. Memory's gone Darren, there. Darren Ferguson, it was before yeah, Phil Darren, Brown. I was, there with, I, was, I was coaching the academy uh, goalkeeper, so down at uh, Uclan. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, coaching the, 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 you know, from under eights up to the under 16s. Um, my older brother Dave was helping us out as well, who'd been a, uh, an amateur goalkeeper for 30 years, you know, the... Um, so we were another family affair in that in that respect. But yeah, we we had I'm just trying to think it's probably two good years down there with them. Um, you know, working with I say the youngest of the goalkeepers up to up to the the lads who were going to then go on and be be scholars. Yeah. Um, and it, in periodically in that time, uh, Phil Brown took over. So I think that you know I helped him out and I did a preseason for him and then slipped back down when he he, he brought in Foxy. Um, you know, so there was there was I was attached to the club. But working for the club, and if if you know, I need someone needed a hand, I'd give him a hand. If not, you'd, you'd just carry on with your role. Yeah. And was it was it David Unsworth that sort of promoted you properly, if you will? Not properly. That sounds a bit bad. But you you get no, no. Well, I mean, yeah, Unzi Unzi was there, wasn't he? After um after that, that gap between Darren Ferguson for five games, uh, yeah. himself and Greza, I think were involved. But Unzi, you know, we'd worked uh, we we'd worked together. We were you know we knew each other, um, and. 
Yeah. Zunzi was, at- was involved in the academy as well, wasn't he, originally? Yeah, but, but yeah, and, and the youth development phase, that 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 next step above it as well. And um, you know, I think, you know, when you look at that, you know, if you if you actually think about it and look at those three people who were then thrown into this uh job of um, you know, managing the team for five days, you know, you had you had Grezer who would probably still had his four hundred games, you had Unzi who's four hundred and five hundred games, you had me exactly the same. So you, you had a hell of a lot of experience at every different level as well. Um, you know, and and I remember I think the last game, I think it was Huddersfield, was it? And we won 3-2 on the Saturday and then Graham Wesley was appointed then yeah. on the Monday. So, um, you know, that that was another, you know, introduction to, you know, league football in terms of being a coach, but also, um, you know, being thrown in there in a pressurised situation when, you know, a manager's been relieved of his duty and, and, and the, the team's got to step up and help out. Yeah, it's not like you've been given sort of a, a pre-season or anything to sort of get to grips with it and oh, no. figure no. out who's who's doing what and all that sort of stuff. And no. you talk about, obviously, introductions. I can imagine that Graham Wesley was a bit of an introduction, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, yeah, to say the least, yeah. Well, I was also at the time, I'm thinking at that time then, I was, uh, there'd been a change of Irish manager and I was working for Giovanni Trapattoni, so I was nearly... I was yeah. sort of like full time, really, with the with the um, the Irish setup. I was, you know, like um, uh, tan, not talent idea, but look, you know, going out and scouting players and seeing who, who was around and uh, looking at the goalkeepers and keeping tabs because they, the uh, Giovanni and Marco Tardelli, who's assistant manager, they were in in Italy, so I was there, sort of eyes and ears, and up around the north. And Liam Brady was down with Arsenal in the south, so you know there was a, you know. It, it, it was quite a surreal experience going going with these legendary managers and players, you know, and then um, and then been thrown in at Preston with Unzi and, and Grezer, and then uh, Graham obviously Wesley coming along. Graham Wesley comes along, yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I've heard I've heard numerous different stories about him. Um, <laughs> specifically, when I had Danny Mayer on again, I've not released that episode yet, but that's an interesting one to listen to, definitely. Oh, um. How was your time at North End as a coach? Oh, well, fantastic. I mean, you know, the main the main stay of it, obviously, would have been when Simon Grayson came in uh, with Snods. You know, yeah. a great managerial setup. Those two, you know, really, you know, get a good feel to the club um, after after you know the difficulties of Graham Wesley. You know, they came in, stabilised everything. We went so close um, in the in the next season. You know, we lost to Rotherham in the in the playoff, the playoff semi final, and then we brought the hoodoo in uh, in 2015, didn't we, at, uh, at Wembley? You know, and uh, that is there. <laughs> and that's me there spraying champagne. So you think spraying champagne in 1988 to 2015 spraying <laughs> champagne? It's not bad, that is it? I'll tell you that. Bad. Not bad. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, you know, to that was one of the best experiences of my footballing life. You know. Um, Given just given the career inspired. that we've just discussed as well, that's the fact yeah. that that's, that's I mean, a highlight is just, yeah. just the euphoria of it. I mean, I remember having the trophy in front of all the, the pressing fans at Wembley, you know, and just I remember uh, people stopping me in the supermarket to saying thank you because it was the tenth time of asking, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, um, just thank. That's what the players did it, you know, and what have you. But it, <laughs> it was it was but it was just it was just thank me my. Um, 
my niece got married and my, my brother uh, got up and gave his speech and he went, thanks, Ali. He went, imagine if you'd lost him at a wedding reception, <laughs> you know, full of breast and North End fans. It could have been difficult, that. On a day you're supposed to be celebrating. Anyway, it all came right in the end. And, um, you know, I look back that, that picture and when I was at Preston and walking out the tunnel, and they had, it, it was a massive, it's a massive picture and that was it. Yeah. Just, just smiles every time I walk past it and you probably see a smile now because... You know, the joy it brought to the Preston fans. The joy, the joy actually it brought to Preston, never mind just the Preston fans, to Preston. I think, that's what yeah, I felt. I think this the city as a whole sort of benefited from yeah. it. And yeah, definitely. It's I mean, I'm born and bred Preston. There's not many that wouldn't be that end up being North End fans, I don't think. <laughs> um, no. But yeah, I think it at times it's it's and I guess you could probably say this about many towns and cities in the country, but it's a tough place to be at, at, at times. I, you know, I think we're officially the wettest place in the country, which Oof, doesn't yeah, surprise yeah, me with the yeah. amount it rains. Oh, but yeah, yeah that yeah. that summer and obviously the the playoffs, um, obviously against Chesterfield, I think could be wrong, but I'm almost certain that that's the best playoff campaign in history. Winning, yeah. Um, yeah. In, if you yeah. include the final winning all three games without scoring a goal and obviously the goals that we did score. Um, And then just that, you know, just for for North End Club and and for the fans and and like you mentioned, the people of the city to to go to a playoff final and win is just, well, it's unheard of, isn't it? Well, I mean, one, one, it doesn't get lost, but because of the final and everything that evokes and that becomes the centrepiece, you know, I've still vividly got in my mind Jermaine Beckford when he scored from the halfway line, you know, that goal he got in the semi-final, you know, and just to, you know, I've I've spoken many times about um, Frank Worthington when he, against the goal against Wolves in, I think in 88, uh, 87, I think it was, where he chipped it back over and it went in and and it's like time stood still as you watch this ball. I remember sidelines and I, I happened to be giving some information or talking to Simon about something, whatever it was, coach and manager would talk about and then, boom, this ball just went, boom. And then we were almost like watching it. And if you, there's a picture where I think Jermaine's run back and he's jumped onto Simon and I'm in the background just like that. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. You can't, I'm not picked out, but you just see this, this this person. And I stood like that as soon as it went in. I never stopped. And Paul Cook's behind me, I think. And just one of those moments in time that you see, not just brilliance, but magical brilliance. You know, yeah, and I yeah. think everybody was there. You know, you, people talk about the Joe Garner goal in the the, the, the playoff the, the year was, before when Chester fantastic. Yeah, I was going to push you yeah. on that. Which 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 one of the two would you would you say is I've, your your favourite? I've got to, I've got to say uh, Jermaine's. Yeah, just the sheer audacity, the vision, the 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 technique. He fell over as he was falling over as well, and I think all those together. Plus, you think about what we've been through, where we'd lost at Colchester where we could have gone up automatic, you know, where we the record we had was unbelievable in terms of going for that automatic promotion. But, you know, the way that, to be fair to Simon Snodds, the staff, the backroom staff, the players, the way they responded, and as you said, you know, in terms of a campaign uh, for a playoff, you know, to, to go through it and not concede and then to win so emphatically at Wembley in the way we did, it was virtually all over at half-time, wasn't it? You know, I mean, walking off at half-time at Wembley just with that warm feeling of thinking, 
knowing. I said to you before about, about that season when we got promoted, about you had that feeling when you went out that you knew you were going to win, that you knew you were going to achieve. And that was the same feeling we had going on to Wembley. Yeah. And, it, and it, it was doubled coming off at half time when it was 3-0. It's funny because I'm not sure if it was Lady. It might have been Lady or someone else that I've had on. <laughs> My mate, but Lady, top fella. Yeah, he messaged me before and said, um, he said he just used to love coming into your office and just chatting shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, me, me and me and Lady just, just interrupt you there. So they used to have a, you know the playlist that they have at Preston now? Yeah. I've been yeah. many times. It's like, you know, it's really trendy now, and it? or it might be Oasis or what have you. Well, there was one song they used to play for about four or five weeks, and it was um, Shake It Off, what's it called? Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, so that came off, and I, 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 I'd start doing this as the, as the lads were running out the tunnel to start the warm up, and uh, and lady would look at me and we burst out laughing, and he'd start coming on doing this little bit. So we had this little favourite song. <laughs> you couldn't tell anybody. You can't admit to Taylor Swift. Shake it off, can you? you know it's I mean? one of them, though, isn't it? I think it gets most people moving when they've. Well, obviously, you wouldn't yeah. have had a drink at that point, but if you're no, if no, you're no, no. out, then if you've had yeah. a drink or two and that comes on, it's it's going to get anyone moving. If he ever comes on and and, uh, and again, just ask him about that, it was brilliant. But in the playoff final, he jumped on me back, I think might have been the fourth goal. He mess- He said to ask you uh, if your back's still a bit sore after he jumped on you after, I think oh, it was no. one of Jermaine's like, goals. He's a, he's a decent-sized lad, is, is, uh, is Scott. You know, he's, like, <laughs> he's, he's big bone, shall we say. And and I and I was like celebrating, we, we, you know, that was it. It was definitely game over. We, we were getting promoted, just the euphoria. Well, I mean, next minute... If you're expecting it, you can brace yourself, but I wasn't. And he, he landed, boom, and I just nearly... I was like, how I didn't buckle, I don't know. <laughs> Bring in mind what's happened to my legs. You yeah, know, yeah. I think that was the last That was the last bit that, that I had to get me a metal knee. I think he contributed to, get, <laughs> to getting that metal knee. He's, Thanks, uh, lady. He's been on a few times for the... Uh, we do a podcast after the midweek games, and he's come on right. after watching a few of them. But he's uh, me, him and I have got a mutual friend, so get on quite well right. with him, Scott. He's a yeah. he's a top top lad. Yeah, top lad. Obviously, just going back a bit, how was the transition from Graham Wesley to Simon Grayson when obviously Graham left and Simon came in? Was it was because uh, from a fan's point of view, felt like a weight had been lifted from from the club. Is that how it sort of felt from within as well, or? It's generally, it's generally what happens, you know, if you think about the times that, that it's happened that, you know, it, that a change been made. Generally, it's been made for a reason, um, yeah. you know. Um, so whoever comes in, it's it, it's it's seen as a, a sort of, you know, not a breath of fresh air, but it's a change, you know. And then you might have players who, you know, weren't involved in the first team that now have got a chance or see an opportunity where they can impress the, you know, the new new people coming in, whether they be temporary or whether they be full time. So yeah. there is there is an automatic change and that and but you've got to look at for Simon who was experienced, you know, I think he'd had the three promotions on it previously from division one. So everybody's looking at uh, at Simon. We were teammates at Blackburn Rovers, we signed on the same day, um, the pair of us. So I knew him very well. But Glyn Snodding was was part of the glue that kept everybody together as well. Wonderful, wonderful assistant manager. Um, I don't even think again. I think Lady's Lady's wax lyrical about Snods and said out how not only just how great of a coach and and a person he was, but his personality and and his humour and everything and everything that yeah everything you just said there. You just summed him. I've no need to me to add anymore because he's that and more, you know. And I think 
you know, everybody who, who meets him or and who, who met him at Preston, you know, will have nothing but good things to say about him. He could be, he could bite, he could laugh, okay. he could smile, he could cry, and he could do that all in one minute, you know, because he was such a, he is such a, a, a great man, you know, he's just one of the, he's one of the best football people I think I've worked with. And, you know, uh, I still speak to him now and consider him a really, really good friend because he's just a real people person as well as being a top coach. Yeah. So similarly then, how was the transition from Simon to when Alex came in? I think now. Well, it was all it was all um so quick anyway. Yeah. Um, was it the first day of preseason that Simon yeah, saw? I think we turned out we had a meeting at the uh, Deepdale and I think we turned out the office left and I think Simon went right and then and the next thing I knew we got to the training ground and he was he was at Sunderland. So um <laughs> and then we I think uh, Steve Thompson and myself were, were were sort of tasked with being uh, taking the team for the week. Uh, what the, you what know, are you the, thinking at that point? When obviously players, players, yeah, players. Um, you know what? What right? You know it's they they're seeing change, and for the reason I said before, in terms of you know the manager who who they they were seeing as successful and wouldn't have anticipated. There's not many times where you get managers sort of leaving. Um, you know when you know they finished eleventh in the league the the, the, the year before. Um, so, um, you know, it was about it was about one pre-season prep. So there's there's a there's a process you need to go through in terms of getting the for fitness. There's um, there's then the psychology of the change of a manager, and really, it, you know, fortunately myself and and Tom have been there a long time. I've been there um, longer than most. What have you? The backroom staff were the same, you know, and it was about keeping things familiar. But ultimately, it was about doing the work. So we, you know, we sat down. We um, we discussed what we were going to what, what training we were going to do, why we were going to do it. We we attached it to something that had uh, happened the year before in a game. We showed them the example, so it focused their mind. But it was all about them um, refocusing away from what happened with the manager and what they needed to do to be ready for a game. Yeah, uh, and that things like take take all this away and focus on what you do, which is a player. And I think that's um, you know that was another another good learning experience, really. Yeah, how's um, I know he's he's been at the club for quite a while now, and obviously still there. How's Tomo as a coach? Brilliant. He seems another, from the outside another, looking, and he seems to be very well respected by the players. I'd say I'd, I'd put him in the same bracket as Snods. Yeah, you know he's uh, he, he's one of those coaches. He's he's got um, he's got a feel for what needs to be said and when it needs to be said. Um, he's again another another really good human being. Who will will help anybody? So you know you've got those ingredients in you know in someone as a person, and that, and then the way that manifests as a, as a coach is that someone might need a kind word, someone someone might need a little g up. Um, you know it, it's you know I say about I say about about Tomo, he knows how he's been in it so long. Um, he was obviously um, Holloway's right hand man when when the, you know the crowd down the road got promoted to the Premier League. Yeah. You know so he's got a. He's got a, a real vast experience on how teams win, you know, and how they succeed, uh, and going from the championship to, to the uh, the Premier League. So vast amount of experience, and then as a coach, it's about taking all this that's in here, and then seeing how it fits for you. Yeah. Because what fits for you might not fit for the next player. You know what I mean? So it's individualising it, making make working out body language, personalities, 
you know, and he, and you don't stay there that long if you're not if you're not that type of person or that that uh, if you're not good at your job. And you know, he's he's brilliant at his job. Yeah. So, how did you find it when Alex joined? Obviously, we touched on how Simon left and and whatnot. But how was it when Alex came in and obviously brought Frankie with him? And I think Joe Savage came a bit later on as well. Yeah. Well, it's just another it's just another work another change as a coach. So I said to you before in terms of. You know when, uh, like, so when Darren Ferguson left, or when you mentioned Phil Brown, or what have you, it's you know as a coach, as a goalkeeping coach, my role and responsibility was was for the goalkeepers. Yeah. So you know it, it it really breaks down very quickly too. You know what do you what do you want from your goalkeepers? You know what style of player we got? You know what um, you know. What what do you what do you want from the goalkeepers? You know what I mean. Yeah. It's literally trying to establish. You know, you're trying to get relationships and work out a playing style because, um, you know, if I'm saying, you know, if I'm if I'm working on playing out of the back and we want to go long, and 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 I think it was Declan Wood at the time and, and Chris Maxwell, they don't have the skill set. Then there's there's a recruitment issue there, or there's 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 something else that comes into it. So yeah. you know that that's that's the the primary, I think, role as a coach when a new manager comes in is to find out. What the what? How do they want to play? Um, you know, what do they feel about certain situations, and how yeah. can how can me as a coach deliver it? Now, you know, at the time, obviously, I was only four weeks out of a of a having been replaced as well. You know, yeah. so I'd, I'd you know I'd, I'd been replaced in June, and I was back on the training pitch three and a half weeks later. You know, so uh, yeah, is that uh, <laughs> it goes back to that again, doesn't it? Yeah, short <laughs> so, turnaround. Yeah. Short turnaround again, so but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be there on the pitch, and I wanted to be there with the because there was change, because change had happened, you know, and 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 that's just the nature of the game. Wanted to try and be a bit of a, a familiar face, so to speak. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much, yeah. and probably, you know, it's uh, probably a little bit four weeks after a, to a, after a you know a full full knee uh, knee replacement is it was pushing it, but you sort of call on that that you know that drive from when you were when you were playing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you've obviously worked with some quality keepers in your time at North End. Jordan Pitford, obviously, you're working with him now at Everton as well. Uh, Sam yeah. Johnston, then you've obviously just touched on Chris Maxwell and Deck as well. How do you look back on that period for the club in terms of the goalkeepers? Because I think I think we've had maybe not luck, but we've we've done quite well in that department and. Had some obviously some quality players there. Like how much of a part, if any, did you play in that? I think a, a, a big part because obviously you know you would have been, you would have recommended people. We would have, um, you know, I would have, I would have been in contact um, with Adrian Tucker, who was the goalkeeping coach at Sunderland. You know, months before, yeah. um, you know, I'd seen Jordan in particularly when he came to to Deepdale playing for Carlisle and we beat them six one. You know, and the first goal came in, and it, it, you know it was wasn't great for him, but he he accepted response, and I thought it'll do for me. Um, Sam, uh, you know, I'd seen at Doncaster. So as a coach, it's part of your your remit is to you know you're looking what's next to identify. Next. Yeah, so Chris Maxwell, you know, um, identifying he's out of contract. You know, uh, well people got reservations. You don't act, but me as a coach, you know, I I've got to give my opinion to see it. You know, and. You know, a lot of people said about Maxi Well, you know, sometimes on crosses, but in his first season, he caught more crosses than anybody else in the championship. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I think part of a, and a, and a top, top professional, by the way, absolute top professional. 
I have um, to say, I, 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 I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying Dex a bad keeper by any stretch of the imagination, but I really rated Chris Maxwell. I thought he yeah. was, personally, yeah. I thought he was the better of the two out of him and Dex. Um, obviously, well, different yeah, keepers. Dex had a problem. He got injured, didn't he, in that, in that first pre-season? He, yes, tore his he did. Side. And I'd worked with Declan, um, obviously, the back end of, um, was it was it 12-13 when, uh, yeah, when, when Wesley... Yeah, he was on loan there and he came and worked with him in that, that thing. And then he came back again for the full season. So where we lost out in the um in the the, the playoff semi-final. And he was fantastic to work with. And, you know, I think um, you know, the stick that he got, well, I'm gonna say maybe a year ago and, and and what have you, but the way he's turned it around, the way that he's um matured, the performances that he's put in, you know. Up to his injury, you, you might you, you might argue that he was he was in for Player of the Year, um, yeah. but but that that does not surprise me from the quality that I saw somebody who ultimately went back to Norwich and played in the Premier League. So, yeah. you know, I was I was I was I was delighted. I was um, it was wonderful to be able to to work with you know really young talent and again all those things we spoke about experiences you know challenges uh, niggles um, you know. Being situations that happen every day in football, being having to have that, you know, that knowledge and be able to pass it on and and maybe change a mindset or change a little thing. You know, they're all they're all completely different goalkeepers. That you know, it's not me saying you do this. You you know, it's literally saying look at this this frame of a keeper, right? You know, and then and then it's how you deliver that as a coach that makes yeah. you, you know what you are as a coach. But to be able to work with the talent that we had in, you know, um, again Jordan going on to play in the Premier League and, and England's number one, Sam, you know, in the Premier League and just being away with England, you know, uh, just, do not, just, just on those two, is it a surprise yeah. for you to see now to see them both involved at the highest level of the game in the country? Well, ask any Preston fan who saw Jordan Pickford in those 29 oh, yeah. games. And, you know, you will have an unbreakable bond with what you think of him as a goalkeeper. I think, I don't um, think, I don't think there was anyone that wasn't saying that he was a future England number one at the time, because right. he was he oh. was phenomenal in that period. Performance, particularly away at MK Dons, where he, you know, never mind his saves. I think he caught thirteen out of fifteen crosses, and he punched other two seventeen yards out. He was incredible, uh, and I use it I use it to this day as an example of a young goalkeeper in terms of you know positioning, uh, mindset you know, judgment, bravery, all those things that come into making a goalkeeper and, you know, absolutely uh, nailed on. But equally, Sam as well. Sam coming in, you know, is uh, a different type of goalkeeper, but such a calm influence, such a calm personality uh, and such, for me, a brilliant goalkeeper as well. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, the save that he made in the playoff final from the down to his right-hand side, flick round the post was, you know, Seemed to get glossed over in winning four 0 but it was yeah. you know and a fantastic save. And again, to see what's happening to him now, to see him you know making more saves probably than anybody in the Premier League, although you'll say he's the busiest, and then get recognition through England. You know, I, I feel proud. I feel proud and privileged to have been able to be you know to say that I've worked with them. You know, what I mean, but career and I think ultimately you get a lot of people say, oh well, you know what you're doing, but but the, the goalkeepers themselves. You know those players; they're the ones who have put that hard work in. They're the ones that have had that sacrifice. They're the ones that have gone out to clubs, different environments, meeting different people. 
managers losing the jobs. You know, they've gone out, put themselves out of their comfort zone and developed. The same way I said to you about my old man going back when I was 17, you know, work out decisions for yourself, work out situations for yourself. What do you need to do? How do you need to act? How do you need to train? All those things come into it. And and when I see those three goalkeepers, uh, you know, I, I have a sense of pride in terms of, you know, they've, they've, you know, they've, t- they've done it themselves. They've had help along the way, don't get me wrong. But, you know, the way that they matured as people and as, as goalkeepers to me is is probably the one of the most satisfying aspects of the job. Yeah. I've uh, I've had a few people ask me if I can ask you, Sam Johnston or Jordan Pickford? <laughs> what about what about uh, both? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Um, I've also had quite a few people asking me, why did you actually leave North End? Well, all, all I'd say on that is is that my, myself and the club left on the very best of terms. Yeah, um, I've been back many, many times. I've still got some great friends there. You know, as I, I think I said when I left, you know, I returned to the stands as a, as a faithful fan, uh, and that that has never changed. And I think you know, for me, anything that's happened or not happened. You know, shouldn't be shouldn't be brought into it. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a Preston lad. You know, I was born into the club. You know, everything that I've talked about previously. You know, I think, you know, that's 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 what I remember. That's that that's that's you know that's the love that I have for, for Preston, and that's why every opportunity I get, I go back now. And as I said, you know, in terms of myself and the club, you know, um, you know, we 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 left on the best of terms. Brilliant. Um... Obviously, you're at Everton now. How do you look at Jordan Pickford now versus obviously? I know he's injured, but in in the sort of period that he's in as a as like you said, England's number one and everything that he's been through. And how do you look at him in terms of his development from his time at North End to to now? Well, I think the main thing, obviously, with uh, with with England, I mean, holding down a number one in the Premier League is a is a is a hard job. You know, in terms of um, uh, the pressure, in terms of uh, the level of, of opponent you come up against, you know, to, to do that in conjunction with being England's number one, and we all know what the pressure of, of being England's number one yeah. brings on people. The attention probably more, not pressure, it's attention, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, you look at that, and I, and I look at the, but I, you know, but I look at him from the Preston, and, and it's great to have that perspective of from there to there because you know, there's not there's not much changed. In the ladders, you know who he is fundamentally, you know. So maybe the picture that I see every day that the that the anybody outside the club or they, they don't get to see, you know. Um, and I think, you know, getting to the, the the semi-finals of the the World Cup, you know, that in itself, being part of that was it Columbia, the Columbia save, the penalty yeah, save, and penalty save. I think, um, I, you know, it, it, it's a part of our it's a part of our job that we have to be perfect. When we go out on the pitch, we have to be perfect. If we're not perfect, somebody will pick it apart, or you can see the goal, and then the focus is on you. Was, when you magnify that to the Premier League and magnify that to then to international, then yeah. the focus and all these elements that come around it, you know, it, it, it can break people. But you know, both the, the the two keepers we talked about, Sam and uh, and Jordan, for me, have unbreakable spirit. That I, I was going to leave this question out, but I think you just kind of touched on it a little bit there. Obviously, the the goalkeeping position in football in general. How do you view it in terms of 
how it's viewed from those from the outside looking in because if an outfield player makes a mistake it's glossed over unless it's a, a catastrophic mistake it's generally yeah. glossed over whereas obviously when you're a keeper it's like you've just said it's like it's focused on it's like look at this he's he's done whatever it is like how how do you view do you think it's maybe treated unfairly to an extent um i, I think the, the, the what it is is that it, it, it's so defined so if a goal goes in play stops so you have then they have this time where you, or it goes out for a for a goal kick or a free kick you know play stops so you have this you know this defined time where it can be analyzed where it can you look at the multiple multiple angles of cameras now you look at slow-mo slow-mo can make something that looked that was incredibly quick and instinctive look like it, it's easy to Should do when easy. it's not yeah, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah. it, you can, you know, think things can be done, but you know, we chose the profession of being the last line of defence. We, 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 when you when you go over that white line, it doesn't matter what level you have. When you go over that uh, that that white line, you expect and and have to take on the responsibility of knowing that any slightest mistake, whether that be a back pass, whether it be throwing it out, interception, whether it be drop a cross that's dropped, whether it's a shot that hits you on the chin, bounce off the post and goes in, whatever it may be, then all that focus is going to come on you. Yeah. You know, and I always say to, and again, one of the best things that my, my dad said, and I think I mentioned it in terms of when I had the contract about not turning the clock back. If you make a mistake, you analyse it quickly. So, you know, um, you know, was I in the right position? Did I judge the flight and pace of the ball? Was I quick enough? Yeah. Um, did I make the right decision? Those, those types of things. And then you probably, if you've made it, you'll probably think, yeah, I was in the wrong position. So I've analysed it like that. And then I've got to go, boom. And then I've got to move on. I've got to move on. Because if I don't, I'll end up making another mistake. I'll I'll then go looking for work, which means I'm I'm in the wrong position. So it's like a a mindset. You've just got to go, boom, like that. Shut it out and move on. That's really hard to do. That's, you know, psychologically very hard to do when you've got, 50, 60, 70,000 people baying for your blood, you know. Yeah. So it, it's it's just a part of the responsibility and a part of the job description that, and the best way I describe it is that, you know, we're the last line of defence and we've, we've got the greatest pressure um, and we've got to be perfect. Yeah. Almost as, as though it's one of them that just comes with the territory, if you will. I think so. I think so. And, you know, you look at a football pitch and you see mistakes happening. Every, it's every second almost because someone's yeah. given a ball away or something's happened that's allowed an opposition to get a shot off or transition to happen and something's happened that, that's that, that's probably been a small mistake by somebody unfortunately yeah. for the goalkeeper small mistakes get magnified because generally the goals all lead to the goal um, or you know a close uh, a close run thing that's then allowed to be analysed of, of saying hey look what he's done there or look what he's done here do you know what I mean or yeah, she yeah. It, and it's 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 just a focus that because you're the one and you're stood at the back, you know, that's, and there's, that's there's just what you, happens, you can't, isn't it? Say, you can't say it was your left back, centre back, right back, whatever. You're one person, yeah. you know, and yeah. all the focus goes boom. Yeah. Um, how's Carlo Ancelotti to work with? Obviously, he's he's a manager that's won near enough everything that there is to win in the game. Yeah, fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Um, it's funny. Um, I was reading his book um, and I didn't know 
you know, we didn't know he was going to be announced as the manager of um, of Everton, and and then I've read the book, and then he's then a week later he was a manager of of, uh, of Everton, and, and I was part obviously I'm part of the first team and his coach. So, but everything in the book is the man, you know, um, yeah. fabulous to work for. Uh, you know, I think I've mentioned a few people in in in, in what I've spoken about about being good people, about being. You know, being able to find the right word or the right, right gesture towards a person at the right time, whether having a good day or a bad day. And yeah. obviously, you know, Carlo is one of those people who gets that right more than anybody else in, on the football planet, I think, you know, because yeah. you, you, don't, you don't manage such big teams that, that he has in, you know, in, in his time and be successful as he is, one of the most successful managers in, in world football um, without having the tools to be able to deal with that. But he's, for me, and everybody meets him, you'll just say, you know, what a great guy. Yeah. So what what what's your thoughts looking back on the two Alan Kelly song? Oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Northampton, Northampton at home, uh, second half, one nil up. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Benjamin, that's it, his name. When he sent centre forward, goes through, balls bouncing, slams it over my head. I rose to save like a spawning salmon. Uh, tipped, it on, tipped it onto the crossbar in what was the town and then which is now the Alan Kelly stand my dad's stand the ball ricocheted in the air about 30 feet and I caught it about 16 yards out and I, I had the ball in my arm and next minute I looked round and the old west stand to the corner that's close to uh, um, the Alan Kelly stand that is now yeah, yeah. so um, yeah he, uh, he started singing two Alan Kellys there's only two Alan Kellys and I burst out laughing I thought <laughs> What, what a unique song that is that'll never be sung by anybody else no. you know what I mean I never heard it much before but anyway <laughs> um, uh, after, sorry but um, yeah I remember I remember just just thinking turning around and going oh that's brilliant that is that and smiling yeah. you know, just one of those moments just one of those moments yeah in all yeah. that because you know, that was like there was 19,000 19, people on fourth division 19,000 people on you know for this top of the table uh, clash we won one nil. I think I got. I think I got man of the match, and then and I had this and then I got attached to a, a song about my dad, who's a legend, to Alan Kelly's. I thought, there you go, I might as well retire now. <laughs> like you said at the start, easy this football stuff, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I told you it'd be a long one, didn't I? <laughs> um, what's your best moment from North End? And this is a three pronged one. Your best moment Oof. as a player, your best moment as a coach, and your best moment as a fan. Wowza. Um, best as a player has to be uh, promotion at uh, Orient in 87 where we that, that picture I showed you before so that, yeah. that one just being with these fellas that one yeah. as a player without a doubt you know to be to be 18 years old and be a part of that you know and then not only that but the celebrations after when we came back to the flag market in the Harris Museum on the steps there and you know uh, just absolutely Preston fans and John McGrath introducing us. And he introduced me and David Brown. He went, um, these two have kept more clean sheets than the Penguin Hotel. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was funny that when he said that. And mind you, the crowd had the same reaction you did, so maybe it wasn't, I don't know. But um, <laughs> but uh, that was the, as a coach, it's got to be on it. Yeah. Yeah. There's only as one a, in there. Coach, it's it's got to be. Um, as a fan, right, th this is going back into the last century. Um, it was, well, let me, let me, 
when my dad was assistant manager to Nobby Styles, and we, we got promotion from the fourth back to the third division. Was it 78? But I remember being um, in the uh, in the Guild Club when uh, we got the result that got promoted. I'm sure it was on the radio. Um, so I don't know why I was there by myself, but I was. And whoever was there at the time, because um, I was Alan Kelly's young lad and I was there when I, they said, listen, you went, we've got promoted. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. He went, so why don't you open a bottle of champagne? I was, I think I was 10 or 12, probably 10, I think it was. I thought, what, what's this? What's this? Anyway, so I went, this is it. So it fo- follows on now, 87 with the, with the big, big Sam. And then obviously that. So I've gone, what's this? And I started doing that. And they went, no, no, no. And I went, what? And then I put me in and it just went, boom. Everywhere. This, this, <laughs> everywhere. Again. I thought, oh, well. So I started early, to be fair. But that's I always remember. That's trick, isn't it? Just spraying yeah, champagne. Yeah, but, no, from 10 years old, that's getting a bit, you know, um, a bit much. But yeah, in the Guild Club there, I absolutely <laughs> wrenched everybody. In, in, you know, so that would be, that's a memory that comes back that, you yeah. know, it's not a left field, but uh, just... The thing is with that, though, I bet, I bet there's people that were probably in there that have got a story from that and they'll go, Alan Kelly's lad has just covered me in champagne. Yeah, yeah, yeah it could have been, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's just one of those... I remember it because the old Guild Club, he came up the old steps to the old entrance. You know, the steps were about, you know, you had to almost like jump up and they're about a foot and a half, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, it was just one of those moments where, you know, your dad's part of something again, you know, along with Nobby Styles and, and uh, you know, we, every home game, you know, uh, Nobby's family, John Styles, and uh, would come and we'd, both, we'd all play fo- football together in the gym and then we'd all sit on the bench and just like, you know, it was, it was just a magical time really. Yeah. Um, and then to get, when you get promotion on the end of that, that run, um, you know, it was just as a kid, imagine that it's, it's brilliant. And I, and I was again, blessed to be have a, an inside track on it really. Yeah. yeah. Um, who was the best player that you played with at North End? Oh, wowzer. I mean, I, I, I look at that team there. I'm looking at the team, you know, from, from what we had, but, and I look at Frank and I look at that goal he got against Wolves and, you know, and the time he gave to me as a young goalkeeper, to the practice he gave me, no goalkeeper coach, he'd take me out and hit shot after shot after shot. Yeah. You know, wonderful, wonderful player. I've got to mention Brian Mooney. Um, Brian Mooney was, was uh, we came in probably a year and a half after this and the plastic pitch was his, uh, was his playground. You know, uh, uh, you know, the fans at the time, you know, would have paid money alone just to see uh, Brian play. Yeah. You know, he was this mercurial winger, socks around his ankles, you know, uh, Bono-esque hair down here, you know, and, <laughs> and he had all the gear and he did have an idea, you know, and it, and he was he was another one who stands out as one of those players that you could put in that, that, that bracket as mercurial. And it was almost like, right, we're going to go out and play football now, but we'll give Brian a ball and we'll just, we'll, we'll take one out and we'll have a kick around while we'll he struggles. And he was he was he was some player. Um who is who is the best player that you coached? Obviously limited to the keepers. Wow. Well, again, I'm oh, gonna well, say in that, fact I'll re I'll rephrase that. Who who was okay. the best player that you saw at the club from your time coaching? So it's not just the keepers. Wowza, let me think now. I think I think the goals that Jermaine Beckford got uh, to get his promotion were 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 fantastic. Um I think you look at Jordan Pickford's effect 
uh, in those 29 games and, and and people still talk about his effect and how many points he probably won us in that time. Um, equally, with Sam Johnston, you know, um, again, a Preston lad, you know, yeah. being, being, being part of a team that breaks the hoodoo, 10-year uh, uh, hoodoo of, of, uh, of the playoffs. You know, so I, I'm just so fortunate to have, have been able to be there when those players were there and, be, and hopefully be a part of one of the progression, but two of, of the experiences, you know, and it's something, you know, I look at that picture now and I've got pictures from the, from 2015 where you've got a medal and you've got, and he's, you know, he stood next to Sam, what have you, and it's just two Preston lads at Wembley yeah. for a day out. We might we opened up with a couple of medals around the, around the necks. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it, really? Isn't it? Brilliant, brilliant. Um, if you could go back and give yourself some advice while you're at North End, either as a player or as a coach, what would it be? So it would. It goes back to this one. Yeah, don't want to walk I, out in front of the bike. Yeah, I wish I'd look right instead of left. <laughs> That's not bad, is it? Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Uh, last one then. If you could put a five-a-side team together from players that you've again either played with or coached at North End, who would be in it? Can do can do a double a double one if you want uh, a five aside from players that you played with and then one from coached or a mix. Right, well, it's entirely up to go, you. Um, play, who I played with. Uh, do I have to put myself? I can't put myself in there, can I? No chance. If you but do, I'll you'd go. be the first person to put yourself in. No, I wouldn't do that. No. Um, so I'll go with play with. I'm going to go with David Brown. Yeah, he was a goalkeeper at the time. Wonderful fellow. Uh, again, a great mentor for me. I'm going to put and go centre half. Sam Allardyce, uh, hang on, centre, yeah, Sam Allardyce and Bob Atkins, skillful Bob. Yeah. Uh, so that's two. What, I've only got left two. Two. No. I've got two left. Oh, it's um, side, yeah. Right. I'm going to go with up front, Gary Brazil. Yeah. Banzini. Yeah. Midfield, I'm going to go for my old um, assistant manager, Les Chapman, because. Les, he'll either, he'll either score the winning goal or he'll occupy the other players by what he's saying to them about all sorts of rubbish that they won't know whether they come or going. So, you know, he can be the distraction and, uh, and, and Banzini can be the destroyer. There you go. How's that? Fair enough. Brilliant. Um, yeah, Alan, thank you very much. Much, much appreciated. Pleasure. Pleasure. Really enjoyed it. I don't think I've laughed this much in a long time. Oh, it's good. Well, hopefully, tales from the past and... You know, it's, uh, it's it's good, isn't it? Because it's nice you, to have you, a, you know. a unique insight into sort of the football club that I loved before I even was here, yeah. before I was alive. Yeah. But then to sort of obviously have that insight as well into modern times and memories that I've got myself. So yeah, yeah. No, thank you yeah. very much. No, you're very welcome. No, I enjoyed it. Brilliant.